Whoa, 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 whoa. Hold up. What? This is a little spooky. Podcasts about things that spook us just a little bit. Things like aliens, cryptids, conspiracies. When you're just on vacation, you need to do something with your life. Maybe you go to Mount Rushmore or something. Completely out of state. And then you just run into an old high school friend there. No! <laughs> My name is Everett. And I'm Colleen, and that sounds awful. No, I, I. the reason I thought of it, and this is just a really random story, but my family, excluding myself, actually went to Mount Rushmore right after I graduated high school. And then randomly, they ran into one of my best friends at Mount Rushmore. <laughs> but I wasn't there. But they told me about it. They sent Out of pictures. all places in the entire world. I know. And it's definitely not planned. Neither of them knew. Like, neither of the families knew they were going on the same vacation at the same time. Oh, it was planned. Just not by them. I wasn't invited. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's the spookiest of weekends. All Hallows weekend. I don't, the way you said that, I thought you were going to say All Hallows Jeeves for some reason. <laughs> no, but like, that does Jeeves. sound like something stupid, I would say. <laughs> Yeah, no, it is Halloween time, spooky time. Uh, I don't know, are we going to get trick-or-treaters this year? I don't think, we just live on the edge. We're on the edge of a neighborhood and the edge of downtown. We're we like also in just between. live on the edge. Yeah, we're always living riskiest lives. Come here, anyway, you, might, you might get candy, but you might get a spike too. <laughs> I mean, we prepared with candy just in case, but it ain't going to go to waste if we don't get any trick-or-treaters, <laughs> I can tell you that. Yeah, we'll see. And stay safe out there, everyone. Uh, this episode should go out just a couple days before Halloween. Yes. So if you're listening before Halloween, make good choices. Don't dress up like a character from Squid Game or Among Us because... Everyone else will. Yes. <laughs> so actually, if you're trying to hide in the crowd, wear one of those for sure. I mean, also, it's Halloween, so you can wear a mask of yeah, any Yeah, wear whatever too. you want. <laughs> have well, fun what are we doing today colleen what are we doing well like i said it's the spookiest of weekends and you know what's spooky ghosts that's true i feel like haunted house <gasps> is the epitome you didn't even flinch no i wasn't listening to you at all i was too concerned with what i was about to say uh, yeah, all the time. <laughs> which reminds me there is a haunted house here in Duluth. It's a haunted ship. So it's not a house. Like, right. I, well, yeah, but if you're going to, you know what I'm talking about. They're, They're all called haunted houses. It's a haunted ship tour. Yes. It's an old shipping like ship. Like a rig. Like yes. An old, I guess the, even a rig is not the right word, but like a mining vessel. Yeah. Delivered iron. Yes. It's so a huge. Right. Giant ship. Anyways, if you are a haunted house connoisseur, this haunted ship would do nothing for you. It's like one of those classic, you know, donate two cans of food and go through this volunteer filled haunted house. And, you know, they make it sc like it's scary for me. They make it scary. And like, even if you don't think it's scary, it's cool how they set it up. There is also one section in that whole thing where there's just a completely pitch black maze that you have to feel through. That's what I was getting at. The The rooms, like there's a bunch of different rooms. They take you through like the galley of the ship, all this cool stuff. And they have it set up like each room is a different, you know, like a doctor, scary, scary movie trope thing. Yeah. yeah. 
And then you get down to the very, very, very like the belly of the ship and it's pitch black, absolutely pitch black. And they have it set up as a maze. You cannot see anything in front of you, behind you, next to you. And the walls are so thin, like you can't stretch your arms out. You have to walk with your arms down. Like it's so claustrophobic. You have to like sidle your way through it, basically. Right. I nearly had a panic attack. Like the rest of the ship was like fun, but this Yeah, just like traditional haunted house tour I have nightmares about it to this day of like, because you cannot, it's a maze. You have no idea if there's people in front of you or not. Or if there's even like path to walk in front of you or which direction to go. And you know there are people behind you and they throw like spooky people in the maze too, just to like kind of chase you a little bit. It's always it's always my fear in a haunted house or haunted whatever like that, where you have no idea if someone is actually there to like take you or something. Yeah. Like, that doesn't work for the haunted house. Like, exactly. It's they're horrifying. They're just there waiting for someone and the perfect opportunity. Yes. It's so disorienting and claustrophobic and pitch black. I never want to do it again. <laughs> Anybody else who has done multiple haunted houses would be like, Psh. but that one five minute section ruined haunted houses for me. Can't wait to do it again. Anyways, this house isn't like that, mostly because it's a house and it's real. And there's not volunteers. There's no Paid or unpaid actors. Hopefully you haven't heard of it before, because you know spooky houses more than I, I do. I know of some. Have you heard of the Sally House in Atchison, Kansas? I have heard the name Sally. I know of <laughs> Atchison, Kansas. Okay, well, this one is an interesting one. I mean, they're all interesting, but this one can't seem to make up its mind. Is it like a Casper the Friendly Ghost situation? Is it a Demons from Hell situation? Or is the house itself like a living entity that just mm. fucks with you? Like the Amityville haunting movies. Yeah. Or Amityville horror movies, I should say. Yeah. The house is alive and it bleeds and all that fun stuff. Right. So let's just get started. The Sally House is said to be one of the most actively haunted houses in America. And here's where it starts. On October 31st, 1992, Deborah and Tony Pickman are two newlyweds. Pickman. Like, yeah, exactly. I think about the, that every single the, time. The alien guys. They're newlyweds. He's 27. She's 29. They've been married a couple months. And they found out that they are expecting their first kid. So, what? I thought you were going to say their first kiss. Like, oh. <laughs> no, not that kind of couple. So they, they realize, like, we need more space. I don't know where they were living previously. I assume it was just like a, an apartment, you know, wherever. Yeah. It's a small place sure. that newlyweds live. So they decide they need more space and they're going to look into renting a house. And they come across a, the perfect house. In Atchison, Kansas, it is two stories with three bedrooms. It's a white brick house. It has blue trim, super cute, has a porch. It has a basement, perfect amount of space for a growing family. Okay. 
and it was in their budget. The rent wasn't too bad. And they actually even knew somebody who lived in this house previously. So, like, they knew that the landlord wasn't scamming them and that, like, the house itself wasn't falling apart. Like, it was a decent house for a decent price they could move into. It was but their friends didn't warn them of any spookiness. Well, nobody, no, nobody has ever experienced any spookiness at the house. On the record. Right. Well, we'll get to that. You'll see. Tony's mother had a good friend whose daughter and all of her kids and husband lived in that house prior to Tony and Deborah moving in. So it was like another small growing family that had lived in this house. And then they moved out of it for more space because they were having more kids. Okay. So it's basically a couple in the exact same situation they're in. So, again, it's the ideal house. There's nothing wrong with it. It's great. Sure. So they pretty much spend all of their money moving into this new house. They had to buy furniture. Again, they're like 20-something newlyweds starting from scratch. One thing to note, this is kind of an old house, and it was old when they moved in. It was built in the 1870s by an Irish man who moved to the area named Michael Croman Finney. He died of natural causes like about a year after it was built, and his son ended up moving in, and he set up his local doctor practice on the main floor. So it was just like a regular family home, like his family lived on the top floor, and then he had an office on the bottom floor. Just an office, not like an actual like doing any sort of like... Like he'd see patients. Sure, but I didn't conduct like operations or anything. Not normally, no. Then, you know, he's doing his doctor practice, time goes by, blah, 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 and it ends up in the hands of the landlord who rents it out to Tony and Deborah. But it's an older house, so even by this time, it's about 120 years old. Right. We mentioned this in the Greenbrier Ghost episode. The 1870s were like a great time for ghosts. (laughs) <laughs> it was like it was like their well, time, yeah. you know. Yeah, that is Victorian era, right? Yep. So that yeah, that's just like stereotypical, right? Spooky ghost time. Yeah, and it's the time where literally everyone died of anything at any time, pretty much. Medicine was not super great in the 1870s. There are a couple recorded deaths in the home, none of them suspicious. Nothing unusual. Like, the house we live in is a little over 100 years old. I'm sure somebody has died in this house at some point. I think about that a lot. But the thing is, someone's going to die in that house. So you can't usually predict or avoid it. Everyone dies. That is the mortality of man. My ultimate point is, it's a normal house with that normal deaths happened in by okay. normal people. Got it. It's like not, it's not built on a cemetery. Um, there's no murders that have occurred in there. It's on record. Uh, right. It's your average Midwestern, no nonsense Bible belt home. So as the Pickmans are moving in and they're decorating and they're settling in, everything's fine. The house is fine. Nothing weird happens. They don't regret their decision. In fact, they're excited because they're going to have a kid soon. And it wasn't for a few weeks until a little, little weird thing started happening. Mm-hmm. Like the usual little things when you think of hauntings. Lights flickering on and off. Doors open when you thought it was closed. 
They didn't specifically mention that, but yeah, that sort of thing. The oven timer would spontaneously start buzzing. Um, Their phone would die and then restart for no reason. There were cold spots. Wireless landline, I assume. You said 92. Yeah. Yeah. Right. But the thing, none of this is concerning. This is a 120-year-old house. Get drafty. Yeah. Yes, it can get drafty. There are probably electrical wiring issues. I mean, that would explain the lights, the oven, the phone. All of that. Yeah. Cold spots, maybe even there's heating issues. Who knows? So they were not concerned in the slightest. They just assumed those weird creaking noises are the house settling. That light flickering is because this is a 120-year-old house, and I'm sure the wiring hasn't been checked on in a long time. Right. So they just carry on, waiting for their kid to be born. Everything's normal. And at the end of June, their son Taylor was born. Taylor Lautner? and this is the story of twilight (laughs) we told you it was gonna be spooky (laughs) okay so money was a little tight when their kid was born but in like a you know we're in our 20s with a kid sort of way and not like a we're struggling to survive sort of way sure everything's fine they have a home so yes they're Fine. Right. They're happy. The baby's happy. Everything's good. So one day they decide to get up and spend the day at Tony's parents' house for a visit. They can visit with their parents, probably get a break from parenting for a day and just hang out Mm -hmm. and let grandma handle things. Yeah. So they stay there all day and they're hanging out. And while they're there, Tony's sister-in-law was like, hey, I have a high chair that I'm not using anymore, that you guys can have. Do you want me to just quick go drop this off at your house? And they were like, fuck yeah, free high chair. Mm-hmm. Cool. So she goes over and she drops off that high chair. They're all living in the same town, town yep. it sounds like. That's yeah. another thing that's perfect about this house. It's in the location where their families all live close by. Sure. So it was after dark when the Pikmins got back to their house. Baby's tired. So they go upstairs to his nursery to put him down for the night. But when they walked in, they noticed something really strange. It's Raymond. Deborah! Deborah! (laughs) (laughs) All of the stuffed animals they had were arranged on the floor in a perfect circle with their hands touching. Aww. Yeah, it actually sounds kind of cute to me, but I'll, like, I Until guess you... the star forms. <laughs> it's weird. They know... I mean, that is definitely weird, obviously. <laughs> it's just know... not very threatening either. No, because it's like cute, like teddy bears and stuff. And I'm sure they're just uh, stuffed animals that were gifted to them when people found out they were having a kid. Yeah. Like, you know, everybody wants to buy some, so they just, like, throw a stuffed zebra at you or something. For sure. So they're all sitting on the floor in a circle... Hands touching. And Tony and Deborah are like, what the fuck? So they ask Tony's sister-in-law. They were like, you fucking with us? Oh, right. She went there. Because, yeah. yeah, you were at the house. Let's give her a call. Like, let's let her know. Hey, you got us. See what's going on. Side note. This totally happened to my parents when what? my sister was born. Have I never told you this story? No. Okay. And I'm probably going to screw this up. So if my parents are listening, sorry. But I'm at least going to get the gist of this correct. My oldest sister was born, and it was the exact same story as the Pikmins. Like, my parents were 20-somethings with a baby that were renting, like, a little house. Getting on their feet situation. Getting on their feet, right. And my my mom's family lived, like, around in the area. Um, And they went to go visit my grandma, 
And when they came back home, all of the light bulbs in the house were replaced with blue lights. And the oven door was open and there was a baby doll in the oven. Whoa. <laughs> Isn't that freaky? <laughs> was it like one of your parents' friends? Playing yeah, it was prank? my uncle. Okay. It was, <laughs> right. But it's, it's the same exact situation. Yeah, no, it is. It's just funny because like if it was supposed to be supernatural, it's like, where'd they get the blue light bulbs yes. from? No, I know, but I'm imagining my mom walking in and being like, We need to get out of here, and my dad being like Brian. <laughs> so you know, not unusual to think it could have been the sister-in-law fucking with them. Yeah, that's the logical conclusion. <laughs> right. So they call her up and they're like, hey, you got us. But the sister-in-law says, um, that was definitely not me. I dropped off the high chair and I did go into your house because I really wanted to see how you set up the nursery because you were describing it to me while we were there and it sounded really cute and I just wanted to check it out. So... She started walking up the stairs to the nursery and she felt like a random freezing cold breeze inside the house, even though like the doors and windows were closed. She started like feeling weird, but she was like, okay, whatever. I'm just nervous because I'm in a house that's not mine. Yeah. So she started walking up the stairs and as she's going up the stairs, she just starts feeling more and more uneasy. Until she gets to the top of the stairs, peeks into the nursery, and gets this, like, intense sense of fear and runs down the stairs and out of the house. Hmm. So nothing happened. She just felt a weird breeze. And, you know, I personally feel anxious being alone in any building at any period of time. But if it's a house you've never been in, I don't know. The, the fight or flight instinct is very natural mm -hmm. so whether it's like a supernatural entity like it may be in this case or if you actually can feel like a wolf is watching you in the woods like i think you have to trust that instinct yeah. for sure when she had no reason not to she just ran out and was like all right well they have yeah. a high chair it could have been like a burglar hiding under a bed or something like right you, you just gotta you, sometimes you just if know you thought there was a burglar there i would hope to god you would tell your brother-in-law oh for, yeah for sure <laughs> we're in your house I'm, I'm just saying trust your instincts when it comes to stuff like that right well she clearly as soon as she got out was like that was weird of me like she didn't feel the need to tell them that there was anything wrong she just said, I dropped off the hype chair. Okay, bye. Was this a younger or older sister? Do you know? I'm not sure. I'm, I'm just wondering if she's also like in her 20s. I, yes. Or, okay. In her 20s. Maybe early 30s. I'm not sure. Okay. Uh, they didn't specify the age, but I got the vibe that all of the siblings were like approximately the same age. Okay. The fact that the sister-in-law didn't do it obviously freaks out Deborah and Tony, but they had no reason to suspect anything weird. I mean- yeah. Uh, yes, it's freaky that you would find all of these stuffed animals strangely in a like arranged in a circle. But like, my my first thought would have been like she ran out of the house because she was scared, so maybe she left the door unlocked and some kids played a prank or something. Yeah, like, I, mean, I, I would come up with a conclusion like that. Right. So, More than likely, not a ghost. Right. Probably some mundane explanation. So there's not really anything they can do about it now. I mean. Hopefully search the house, though, well, to find if there's like a weirdo hiding somewhere. Or something. Right. It's a small enough house that I think they felt fairly confident there wasn't anybody in there. Right. So they pick up all the stuffed animals. They put them back where they're supposed to go. They put the baby down in the crib, turn out the light and head downstairs to go watch TV. 
was playing in 1992. Cheers. Was Friends out yet? Uh, maybe. Actually, probably not. Not yet. Mm-hmm. Cheers. Cheers. Before they even turn the TV on, before they even get to the bottom of the stairs, they can see that the nursery light is back on. Mm-hmm. Now, remember, they've had flickering lights there before. So, like, that didn't freak them out. They just walked back up the stairs to check it out and turn the light back off. Obviously, they didn't want the baby sleeping with the light on. Right. But when they get up to the nursery, they see a stuffed animal on the floor. Now, this baby's a little baby. Like, it's in a crib. It's in baby jail. It can't, can't, like, reach a stuffed animal. Right. So, the baby clearly did not place this stuffed animal there. They're getting a little freaked out. So, to calm their nerves, they search every single inch of the house for an intruder. Like, they look in every single nook and cranny. Just, you know, protect the kid. Make sure there's nothing wrong. I'm surprised I didn't do that I would have done that first, yes. I would have made you do that first, yes. I mean, you wouldn't have had to make me. I would have wanted to do it. Because if you find a circle of stuffed animals, yes, yes, someone did it. Anyways, they don't see anyone. There's nobody there. Their house is completely empty. It's safe. Unless they're in the walls. Right, but this is an old, small house. No, I'm, I'm just saying. Could happen. So there's no one in there, and they just... What are they supposed to do? So they just kind of make up an excuse for it. They write it off. The bear was originally sitting on a chair by the door. Maybe it fell off somehow. Unlikely, but like, what is the other explanation? Ghosts, which is usually the last, last resort. For, for most people, yes. Right. So they put the bear back. They make sure that it can't fall off the chair. Like it's in a sturdy position. Put, put the seatbelt on. <laughs> Everything's settled. They head back downstairs. And after about a half an hour, Deborah's like, oh man, I got to pee. So she goes upstairs because that's where the bathroom is. Okay. She peeks her head in the nursery just to check on her kid, as moms do. And the teddy bear's on the floor again by the crib. Mm-hmm. So that is the final straw. They are both at this point freaked out. They don't know what to do. I mean, there's no way that bear would have just, like, rolled off the, this chair by itself. They made sure it was secure. Not, yeah, sure. They don't know what to do, so they call Tony's brother, Larry. I think, like, he's just a brother they know is going to be awake. He lives nearby. They're like, look, we know this sounds dumb, but there's someone in our house or something. So can you please come over just to, like, verify that we're not going insane? So Larry comes over, and the whole time he's there, of course, nothing happens. They're sitting, they're hanging out downstairs, they're watching, like, waiting to see if the lights will flicker on and off again, or if they'll hear a noise. And eventually Larry's like, well, guess it's time for me to leave. Gotta get back to my Super Nintendo. (laughs) But as he starts standing up out of his chair, he stops. They have a teddy bear in their living room that was sitting on a shelf. Okay. Larry looked at it and said, wasn't that teddy bear just facing a different direction like a minute ago? How it's mean mugging him? Well, instead of facing out like it usually would, like on a shelf, it was facing the wall. Like it was punishing itself. It was in a timeout. It's it's like the (laughs) the ending of the Blair Witch Project. Yes, exactly. So they had gone upstairs for one last check of 
the baby's room before Larry decided to leave. And he noticed that the teddy bear was facing the right way. Like it was as they were walking up the stairs, he glanced at it and was like, oh, look, teddy bear in his head. Sure. So he was sure that it was not facing in at the time. Like it had moved by its, it had clearly been moved between the time they went upstairs and came back. Right. It's such an abnormal position to put a stuffed animal that he would have noticed that before. Exactly. So something had to have turned that thing around and they checked the house every single inch of it. There's no one there. It could not have been a person. And it's not like a strong wind just mysteriously entered the closed house and whirled around a teddy bear. Right, because I was thinking that could have been the case with the bear in the nursery knocking it off a chair, maybe, like especially if it was a rocking chair. Right. But yeah, that wouldn't make sense for a bear on a shelf. Right. Larry at this point is like, look, it's clearly not a person fucking with you because we have gone through your house multiple times there's nobody here there was nobody in the house when this happened i don't know what to tell you like i have no idea what's happening but i'm gonna go to work tomorrow (laughs) and i'm gonna tell my boss about this oh cool (laughs) thank you his boss had a sister in california who was a psychic so clearly he thought it was something paranormal sure and was like the only thing that can help you now It's a $60 a minute. (laughs) (laughs) Before he left, he promised that he would call his boss in the morning, see if there's anything that can be done, if he can get in touch with his sister. I don't know. Maybe she could do a reading. What do I know? So he leaves. Because, like, what's he going to do? Fight a ghost? How would you fight a ghost? (laughs) Don't you just, like, throw salt at it or something? Yeah, like a iron, like, fireplace poker. Yeah. Okay. Just wondering. Well, after Larry leaves, Tony calls his mom. I think they're just like shaken up and he calls his mom, which is what I do when I'm shaken up. And he explains what's going on. He's like, Larry thinks we have a ghost. Like, what do we do? Deborah. Deborah. (laughs) And Tony's mom was like, hey, why don't you guys come over here and spend the night? It's not a big deal. Just come stay over here. You could check things out in the morning. Tony was like, no, like it's late and I'm sure we're overthinking this. We're probably just tired and freaking out. So we're just going to stay here because we're strong, independent children who don't need no mom. Bad move, Tony. Well, remember how I told you that Tony's mother had a friend whose kid had previously rented the house with her family? Indeed. Tony's mom the next day called up her friend and was like, hey, I know your kid lived in this house with her family. Did you guys like did anything weird ever happen? Did did your daughter ever tell you about anything strange? Like, did she notice anything weird? Because my kids are experiencing some weird shit. And Tony's friend was like, not really. There was some weird stuff, I guess, but it wasn't ghosts like the house smelled weird like there's a weird disgusting smell all the time but again it's a rental house it could have come from anything and she noticed that there were always toys on the floor but i mean she just assumed because she had kids who were always playing they just weren't picking up their toys and one day when she went to go like scold her kids for not picking up their toys they blamed it on someone named sally Mm. Now, the friend just assumed that Sally was one of her kids' imaginary friends because apparently that was not uncommon with her kids. 
Okay. They had a mess. So, like, again, she suspected absolutely nothing. Toys on the floor and a house full of kids and an imaginary friend. Yeah. There's nothing to suspect. Yeah, I think that's very common for right. a child. So Tony's mom calls up Tony and is like, listen to this. There were always toys on the ground. And this intrigued them. But again, explainable. I mean, it doesn't prove anything. It's just kind of a weird coincidence. However... Soon they hear back from the psychic. They had never spoken to her before. She'd never been to the house. She was all the way over in California. Her name's Barbara. They've never met. But she did a remote reading of the house from California. Apparently that's a thing psychics can do. That intrigues me because this is before like, you know, Google Maps or anything. So like, does she just receive the address and then in her mind she just gets on the highway and looks at a map and just travels there in her mind. Like, how does that work? You know, we talked about re- remote <laughs> no, viewing before. No, I know. But what I'm saying is like, it's, it's difficult for me to imagine how someone, if they can remote view actually do it, if they don't know where they're going and they've never right. been there before. I have no idea, but how could, I mean, most phone psychics, I'm sure, are major scams. But, like, how could you, how could a psychic read your For sure. future De- over the phone? I De- mean, definitely. Yeah. Barbara gets on the phone and she says, Yes, you guys definitely have a ghost. There's definitely a ghost in your house. Not only that, but she's like the most adorable, cutest little baby ghost in the whole world. Her name is Sally. And she's somewhere between 5 and 13 years old. It's a wide range. Yeah, that's what I thought, too. And, like, 13-year-olds are not cute. But whatever. (laughs) So, but she makes a point to say, like, she's adorable. She's really sweet. She loves your family. She especially loves baby Taylor. But since she's, like, causing you guys some distress, you need to treat her like a kid. And when she leaves toys on the ground, you need to say, like, when you're done playing with toys, pick them up. Like, you got to lay down some ground rules. And Tony and Deborah are like, okay. I hate this. <laughs> I think, yes, kind of. Now, at this point, they're still not quite convinced it's a ghost. Now, it's weird that Tony's mom would mention a little girl named Sally. Right. And Barbara would mention a little girl named Sally. That's that is a weird coincidence if it is, in fact, a coincidence. But they're still trying to convince themselves it's anything else. Sure. However, if it is a ghost, Deborah is all for it. I read an interview that she did and she said she has always been super interested in ghosts and the paranormal and was like excited have the chance to like experience it it's like you and me like if we had a ghost you'd be like bitching and uh, i'd be no, like no I, I would not be like no okay that. you but you would you would believe it i i would probably be more after pro- ruling out all of the right, other right i would probably be more prone to believing it than you would be but i would not be hyped for it right right okay well deborah was excited sure <laughs> but she believed in it i mean it was not a stretch for her Tony, on the other hand, was raised a strict Catholic, and he did not like the idea of ghosts. Now, like you and I both were raised Catholic, both went to Catholic school. Mm-hmm. We never talked about ghosts that much. Like, it wasn't something they brought up. No, not in, like, a church service or in religious school, no. Right. I mean, and 
you have your own thoughts about ghosts. Ghosts exist or ghosts don't exist. There's no like religious reason to or not to believe in them. They're always they're just ghosts. They're not like good or bad. Yeah. I I'm, feel I feel like if you believe in angels since angels are in the Bible, then you have to like accept that it's a possibility that ghosts could also be a thing. Sure. Here's I think here's Tony's problem with it. And this is just I'm putting words in his mouth. This was just I was trying to kind of figure out as someone raised Catholic what religious basis he would have for being so adamantly against the idea of ghosts and not like they don't exist sort of way, but like I do not want to get involved in this sort of way. And I think it's because in Catholicism, to boil it down, when you die, you go to heaven or hell or purgatory, purgatory and eventually go to heaven. Those are like your options. Ghosts aren't like a natural part of that cycle because you either go to hell or you go to heaven. There's no you don't stay on Earth unless sure. you're Cain cursed to wander the Earth. He never died, though. That's true. But it, ghosts aren't something, at least as far as I understand, that exist in the world, according to Catholicism. Yeah, that's that's a good point. Unless I, I mean, you can definitely interpret it any way you want, because I could say, like, maybe purgatory is wandering the earth as a ghost right and or you know after you die like i guess a lot of people are like you'll see all of your loved ones in heaven like maybe they're ghosts i don't think that christians in general have a definite yeah it could go either way yes but i wonder if tony was like ghosts are not a natural part of the cycle of life on earth death heaven hell so you know in that case, they must be something demonic or something like outside, unnatural, outside of our sure purview. Yeah. I don't want to get involved in that. That's what I'm imagining his yeah. headspace was. Or, or maybe he was worried of like magic because, I mean, for a lot yes. of Catholics, that's an actual worry for some people, you know. Right. It's not natural and sinful or whatever. Right. So he was incredibly uncomfortable with this whole situation. I think he's struggling to try to come up with some other explanation. Deborah is starting to lean in. Mm -hmm. She's like, it can't be anything else. And you know what? If it's a ghost and it's just an adorable little baby girl ghost, like what's the problem here? Tony doesn't like this. It's not like they can leave. They spent all their money moving to this house. It's the perfect house. He just, he has to just like go with the flow. What else is he supposed to do? So the day after they hear from the psychic, Tony's brother George comes over to just like hang out, check out. Was that the same house. brother from before? No, that was Larry. Larry and George. He, I believe Tony is like one of eight kids. Oh, okay. So Catholic. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so Tony and George are like laughing and hanging out downstairs. Well, Deborah is upstairs with the baby, probably like rocking him to sleep or for a nap or whatever. Sure. Yeah. At one point while they're messing around, Tony pulls out a camera and jokingly points it at that teddy bear that Larry had seen move. And he says, hey, Sally, say cheese. And right as he clicks the button to take the picture, George starts freaking out. Because the teddy bear turned all the way around as they were watching it. Like they were both staring at it as it turned around. Ew. 
Yes, like horror movie style. I don't like that. Right. Well, this is the first time they saw it in action and obviously horrified them. And they were all in the room, you said? Just Tony and George. Deborah and the baby were upstairs. Oh, okay. But Tony immediately after seeing this, he drops his camera and he sprints up the stairs. I think just like out of instinct to get to Deborah and the baby. And was it Tony that said that and took the picture or yeah. was that George? Tony. It's interesting that he would be the type to like kind of throw, you know, sweep it under the rug and forget about it, but then say that as a joke, like egging it on, you know? Well, I think he was trying to like convince himself it was dumb and, you know, probably was like joking about it to George being like, this is stupid, right? Sure. Okay. That's what I would do. Anyways, he sprints up the stairs and George follows him. Like He takes a step to follow him. But as soon as he gets one foot on the stairs, he's completely paralyzed. Like He physically cannot move. He feels like an icy sensation go through his body. And it felt like someone was trying to push him down the stairs forcibly. After a couple of minutes, he regains control of his body and goes upstairs to find Tony talking to Deborah. Like, holy shit, we just saw this. This is real. This is what happened. That teddy bear turned around all by itself. We need to get out of here now. So they grab the baby. All of them rush out towards Tony's car. As Tony is trying to quickly buckle Taylor into his car seat, which, psh, babies, always slowing you down. Mm-hmm. He feels like somebody stabs him in the back, like a intense stinging pain. And it's it's so bad. He actually like cries out. It's not like he just got scratched. It's like somebody stabbed him. But he's focusing on his kid. He's focusing on getting the fuck out of there. It's just another freaky thing that makes him want to go faster. So they get in the car and they drive away. At some point, Tony was like, Oh, yeah, like my back kind of hurts. And he tells Deborah what happened when he was buckling Taylor into the car. Right. And Deborah's like, all right, well, like, turn around. Let me see your back. And he lifts up his shirt and he has three long, bloody scratch marks going down his back. Mm. And they weren't like welts. You know, like when you scratch yourself and you get like a pink line. Yeah, like these raises were, a little bit. Right. These were bloody scratches. Like, it wasn't like, oh, ouch, I scratched myself. It was, it had broken the skin. And they were in a position and an angle that Deborah said he could not have done himself. Like, his, your arms physically could not have stretched that way. Interesting, though, that if we're to assume this is a little girl ghost, only three fingers were used. Right. And it gets more bizarre as it goes on. This is why it's it's kind of like dual-natured. Is it Mm -hmm. a sweet little adorable baby ghost or is it something else? I mean, and let's just say children are not saints either. So if this is a child ghost, like she still could have done that. Right. Kids kids suck. Right. Exactly. And that is what the psychic says. So they go back to their house eventually because where else are they supposed to go? They live here. Yeah. Deborah calls up Barbara and says, hey, dude, are you sure this is a friendly ghost? Because like we're freaked the fuck out. And she told them, like, told Barbara what happened. Barbara's intrigued, right? She's, like, with her inner circle of psychic friends. And she's like, you know what? I'm going to come down there. I'm going to come down to Atchison, Kansas. Yeah. So she flies all the way down 
from California just to check out their house. Must be a wealthy psychic. Yeah. Well, her brother lives in Atchison, so I mean, like, it's not that weird. Maybe she's also visiting her brother. So as she walks in the house, she's like, yep, 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 definitely haunted. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I can see Sally again. Cutest girl you'll ever see in your life. Like soups adorbs. And Sally just wants to be part of your family. She loves you guys. She's lonely. Just let her be part of your family. Here's the thing, though. It kind of seems like Sally doesn't really like men. I don't know. Maybe something happened with a dude in her past, but she's just uncomfortable around men. Sally says, though, you know, she didn't mean to hurt you, Tony. She got scared when she saw you guys running out of the house and she didn't want you guys to go. I guess next time, just tell her that she's not allowed to physically hurt you. You know, like yell at her like you would with a kid if they scratched you. Let her know that she has to be more respectful if she's going to stay in the house. And with that advice, Barbara was like, all right, my job here is done. <laughs> um, I'm peacing out. I, I think I might have talked about this on our other past episode, and I don't even remember which episode that would have been. But I'm always thoughtful of like the mechanics of a ghost mm-hmm. like how they work so this sally girl scratched tony mm-hmm. when he was loading the baby into the car mm-hmm. so it was able to leave the house yeah or at least it's still on the property i assume but like it was actually able to leave the house itself mm-hmm. i wonder if it could just go anywhere then are ghosts stuck to a location, or can they just do whatever the hell they want? I don't know. There's a there's a sort of an explanation at the end that might answer that question. Okay. At this point, once you've got a psychic come in and tell you, like, hey, you have a ghost in your house, also she might hate one of you, I would have just moved. <laughs> like, I would have gotten the fuck out of there. But the Pikmins, again, as I've said many times, did not have the money to move. And Deborah had this weird maternal feeling towards this ghost i'm it's like oh i have a baby of my own i don't know i'm just like in a motherly mood and i feel (laughs) like this she's like part of our family now like she's living in our house we just need to if she's a kid we just need to treat her like a kid we're responsible for her so over time she just accepts it and she'll talk to sally and like leave her gifts and tony is like jesus this is stupid but he goes with it because whatever keeps the ghost happy and his wife happy as long as they can live peacefully in the house sometimes deborah can even feel like a super icy cold spot next to her when she's sitting and watching tv and she thinks that it's sally like trying to cuddle up next to her and watch tv with her just freaky yeah i don't like that no One day, Deborah decided to go out. She's like running errands and she decides to buy Sally a new doll and she gets it all wrapped up like a present and she leaves it in the corner of the nursery for Sally. I I get that she's on board, but I feel like I wouldn't be inviting this ghost child to share a room or be in the same room as my real child. Well, I will get into why she might be feeling so maternal towards Sally in a little bit. But she ends up buying her a doll. 
She leaves it in the corner of the room. She goes downstairs. Eventually, she obviously has to go back up to the nursery because, like, you know, her kid sleeps there. Yeah. When she gets up to the nursery, she sees the doll unwrapped and laying in the crib by itself. But the box she had wrapped it in and the wrapping paper were completely untouched in the corner. Wait. Somehow, Sally had gotten the doll out of the box without disturbing the wrapping paper or the box itself. That's freaky, man. Like, phasing an object out of another object. Right. That's weird. To me, that's horrifying. Yeah. To Deborah, she was like, oh, my baby's so powerful. (laughs) I'm just so proud of her for figuring it out and getting the doll. So, apparently, she was fine with all this bullshit. However, as all of this is going on, Deborah's starting to accept it. Tony is getting less and less and less happy. He can hear things scratching inside the walls. Over time, he starts to hear voices, just faint voices in the house. And they get louder and louder and louder over time. He can't understand what they're saying because it sounds like a bunch of different voices just talking over each other. But they keep talking. At one point in October, Tony feels something biting his toes. <laughs> so he's like, look, Deborah, um, this is the worst. This is awful. Like, I can't live here. And Deborah is like, oh, honey, it's just Sally. Trying to get your attention. But Just paying more attention toes? to her. I guess. And Tony was like, um, no, I'm I'm not gonna do that. <laughs> like, uh, pay more attention to the ghost in our house. Nah, I'm good. But on Halloween morning. And, and this is like a year later, right? Yep. From when they so first moved in. It's been about 10 months. Halloween morning. Tony comes home from work in the morning. Why? I don't know. Maybe for lunch. Yeah, maybe lunch break. He opens the door and standing in the kitchen is Sally. At first, he thought that like maybe a little girl had like followed him into his house. Yeah. Which is weird, but like, okay. But then he like looks at her for a second and notices her clothes. She's in like a white lace dress with puffy sleeves and she had her hair Pulled back in like a bow. I'm kind of picturing one of those like 1915, 1920s like pictures of little kid in a yeah, waist dress. I, w- I was thinking of like a Peter Pan era yeah, child. Well, yeah. Not in a nightgown, but like that yeah. era of time, like maybe World War One to World War Two, somewhere in there. Right. She doesn't say anything. He freaks out. He's holding a glass in his hand because he had poured himself a glass of water. And when he had turned around, Sally was standing there. He drops the glass and it shatters on the ground and she just disappears. As ghosts are wont to do. Tony is like, holy shit. She's actually really cute. (laughs) Like she's even adorable. A weird thing to say. <laughs> He's like, I thought. I thought the the reaction was gonna be, "Oh my god, she's actually real," and not, "Oh my god, she's actually really cute." <laughs> you know, she's. He's like, she exists. All concede she exists, but you know what? She doesn't look threatening. She's like probably the most adorable little girl I've ever seen in my life. Okay, sure. 
I guess. I think he's still uncomfortable with it. But now that he's seen it with his own eyes, he's like, fine, I'm just going to go with the flow. I'm still not talking to her. Like, but I'm just, I'll accept it. Okay. Yikes. Okay. Weird shit is still happening. He's still hearing the voices. He's still hearing the scratching in the wall. Every time he brings it up, Deborah is like, seriously, it's you're tired. We have a newborn kid. We're up all night, every night. You work all day. You're crazy stressed and tired. I think you're just like overthinking or imagining or having some sort of episode. But none of that is happening. Yes, Sally is real. Yes, we have a ghost daughter of our own. But no, none of that weird scratching stuff is happening. Like, you are just anxious. But it's easy for her to say. Because Sally's all, like, cool to her. You know, cuddling and playing with her and accepting gifts. But for Tony, he's, like, hearing creepy voices and hearing scratching in the wall. And his own wife doesn't believe him. So he just stops confiding in his wife because what's the point every time he brings it up she's like you just need to pay more attention to sally and get more sleep maybe she's right like maybe i'm going crazy maybe but i mean if they're both experiencing supernatural stuff i feel like you should probably be a little more receptive right you think well one night they have friends over for dinner As they're eating, something scratches Tony's forehead hard enough to bleed. Everyone sees it happen, but nobody can see what's causing it. They just see, like, these welts, bloody welts, slowly coming across his forehead as they're eating. Then, Tony starts having these vivid nightmares about getting dragged out of bed by his wrists. And when he wakes up, he sees handprints bruised around his wrists like they're there deborah even can see them interesting at one point he's in the house and he sees a woman walking in the house that he thinks is deborah so he gets up and he follows her to the room and no one was in there turns out deborah was in a completely different part of the house so he just Mm. saw a random lady just walking through the house Hmm. Christmas comes around. The jolliest time of the year. Right. And they took Christmas pictures. And in one of those pictures, there are two things, like blobs. Deborah calls them anomalies. And they send it to Barbara. And they're like, what is this? And Barbara says, that's not Sally. There is an old lady in that picture, like an old woman with a very domineering and strict personality. And Sally is the other like blob thing you see on here. So you clearly have two ghosts. Maybe that's who Tony saw walking around. Maybe it was that weird old lady. But don't worry about it. She's just hanging like she lives in your house. Are these pictures of or is that picture available? Yeah. Yes, it is. Mm hmm. We're going to post that, I assume. I'll try to find it. Yeah. Again, though, Barbara is like, it's fine. Can We can have a grandma here now, too. Yeah. Just accept that your family is growing. After this, weird stuff keeps happening. One day, Tony's taking a nap upstairs in his room. As one does. 
He's laying there trying to fall asleep and he says that he notices the particles in the air starting to group together and form the shape of an old lady dressed in black. Everything in the room starts to shake and the door slams shut. And the lady reaches a black lace-gloved hand out to him and says, I'm gonna. And then a blackbird appeared on her hand. And she was momentarily distracted. So as she's distracted, Tony runs to the door and tries to open it. But it's completely locked. He's totally trapped. And this old lady comes back and starts to strangle him. Whoa. And then he wakes up back on the bed. So was it Mm. a dream? Deborah says she did not hear a single thing. No door slam, nothing, no shaking. Was he just dreaming? But he's convinced he was being strangled by an old lady. What's the significance of the blackbird or crow or whatever That is weird to me. I don't understand that. Like it stopped her in her tracks Mm -hmm. for that moment. So is like she a weird crow lady? She was surprised that one of her pets or friends was there to stop her. Or is it like a symbol of death? Like, what does it mean? I don't know. I have no idea. And that doesn't come up again at all. Mm -hmm. As all of this is happening, word is getting around town. The Pikmins are being judged for being weird. I mean, this is like a Christian town. Weird stuff doesn't happen in Atchison, Kansas. Wait, are they telling people other than like their immediate families? Um, I don't know that they're like going around talking about it, but this is a small town. You know, Deborah's or Tony's mom called a friend of hers who told her sister. I think it's just one of those things. Deborah's family is like more open to the idea of ghosts, and they were like, kind of supportive and some of her family members had some weird experiences when they were visiting right tony's family seemed supportive at first like larry and george who saw things but then when people started scrutinizing them and asking them questions and judging them at church they like backed off and did not want anything to do with this so they were like basically cut off in terms of that kind of support from their families sure Well, in July 1994, it gets around to the point where they're contacted by a TV show called Sightings. It turns out Barbara has been talking about the Pikmins in her psychic circles up in California. Sightings. I know. Sightings got a hold of the story and now they want to film it. And the Pikmins are like, this is insane. We don't want people in here invading our privacy, but nobody's taking us seriously. So maybe if we get things on film with like a third party, like a team of people, maybe people will start to believe us. True. I wonder if they got paid too. I have no idea. That I don't know. In July of 1994, the sightings crew arrives. And on the very first day of filming, Tony is attacked an invisible force that leaves bloody lines on his arm. And then as they're interviewing him, he gets scratched again on the stomach. And as he's starting to get scratched, he says something like, it's doing it again. And he lifts up his shirt and the crew just holds the camera on him for nine minutes. As he, And you can see the scratches like ever so slowly appear and then start to bleed. Wow. You can find the episode on YouTube. Like, I watched it happen. Now, they're not, like, deep gouges. 
they just look like, you know, like a scratch mark, but like a little bit deeper. Like they're they bleed, but not like profusely. I imagine it's like when you get scratched by like a dog. Yes. Like if you're playing with a dog. So like it'll leave a mark and maybe draw a little bit of blood, but it's not like. Exactly. Going to last. Or yes, anything. that's exactly what it's like. On one night of filming, Tony was attacked in this kind of way 11 separate times. And this all happened in front of a crew and a camera. And the crew was like, we've never seen anything like this before. This is freaky. And if you watch the show, you can see a lot of this stuff happening. Now it's like a show from 1994. So it seems like real cheesy. And it's like a bunch of men in khakis who are like, yep, there's definitely a cold spot right here. But... Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I do enjoy those types of like documentaries. They, it's always been the case where they have like in the transitions and like they'll have like the low, like booming, like mm-hmm. boom, boom, like there's just the dramatics yeah. music and stuff. It's like it is cheesy, but like. Right. So, I mean, like things like cold spots, flickering lights. I if I saw that on TV, I'd be like, OK, well, they're doing this for the show. But watching the scratches appear on his stomach, that was interesting. You and know. they sh- that's where I saw the the photo. They show the photo with the two anomalies in it. Mm. So I didn't actually like come across it online. I saw it in the, the episode. I bet we could find it, though. Yeah. Post. As they're filming, Sightings brings in a psychic who confirms that, yes, there is a ghost named Sally in this house. Um, Maybe she died of pneumonia and was like the doctor's patient. And he says Sally's been trapped in this house ever since, and she's not the only spirit in here. There's a darker presence as well. So so that implies that it's not Sally causing the physical harm to Tony. It's the other Correct. entity. Now, there's a local legend rolling around Atchison at this time. As I said, the house was originally lived in by a doctor who had set up his practice downstairs. According to the legend, Sally was a little girl who came to this doctor's house one night around the turn of the century, and she was in major pain. Her mother was there, frantic, and the doctor was like, I think this is appendicitis, and she needs her appendix out now. Because you can go septic Mm -hmm. if you don't get it out. Yeah. So he had to do emergency surgery in the middle of the night by himself. He didn't have nurses or assistants. He was like, this needs to happen. It needs to happen now. He tried giving her anesthesia, but it didn't work. So he had to cut into her while she was awake and screaming in excruciating pain. And then she died on the table. Oof. Now, there's no records of this actually happening at all. Like, (laughs) there's no records of this being true. There's no records of a girl named Sally ever dying in Atchison around this time period. That story you can find on the Visit Kansas website if you want to read it. Like, it's it's one of those local urban legends. Sure. Okay. But that was rolling around at the time. And they were like, maybe this happened. I mean, records weren't great back then. So that could be it. But that doesn't explain the old lady. No. Eventually, the sightings crew is done filming. They got, like, four episodes out of the Pikmins, and they were like, well, we can't help you, but, like, thanks for the footage. And they leave. (laughs) Yeah, what are they supposed to do, really, though? Right, and the Pikmins were just kind of hoping people would take them more seriously, but I don't know that being on a ghost hunter show is really going to be the way to do that. Now, eventually, the Pikmins are approached by a medium who had seen the show, and she came over and she offered to cleanse the house. And the Pikmins were like, 
anything. We will do anything. Yes, please come over, cleanse the house, whatever. What, what harm can it do? The medium, before she starts her process, she identifies three spirits in the house. A little girl, a threatening older woman, and something that she describes as a perfect gentleman. <laughs> I just got like the image of like the, the supreme gentleman like with the fedora and everything. <laughs> Milady. Before she cleansed the house, she was like, hey, you want any of these spirits to stay? You want me to like get rid of all of them? And Deborah was like, you can keep Sally around if you want. No. Like, why? Yeah. Like, what the fuck? But Deborah was adamant. She was like, Sally is our responsibility. I'm not banishing a child from our house. So keep Sally here. But you can get rid of that old bag and that gentleman. I don't care. It could be a package. Latch on. Stay. Mm -hmm. Well, in the middle of this cleansing ceremony, Tony was attacked again, and there were eight scratches across his back. And the cleansing did literally nothing. It just made whatever that was living in the house more angry. Tony, now, after all of this, is on edge. Like, the Shining style on edge? Like, like maybe take an ex to the wife on edge? Yeah, he's like going insane. Like, everything sets him off. When he's constantly being attacked. So, yeah, right. that would make sense. The thing is, he doesn't want to leave the house anymore. Like, he feels like he's part of the house. The house okay. is him and so, he yeah, is that the is, house. That is like Jack Torrance yes. vibes. Yeah. He's been hearing these voices for months. None of that ever stopped. But now he can understand what they're saying. And they're saying, kill your wife. Kill oh, your kid. Whoa. Murder your wife. Just that sort of thing. Bad stuff. He's getting increasingly more unstable. At one point, Deborah and Taylor were off running errands or something, and Tony was home, and a stray cat got into their house. And this cat is, like, on the kitchen counter, like, licking an empty cereal bowl. And Tony is like, get the fuck out of my house like he gets so crazy angry that he grabs a giant knife and stabs it to death on Whoa. the kitchen camp counter and then he just left it there and sat on the couch thinking deborah is next yikes at least he didn't eat it <laughs> <laughs> well now in an interview done recently tony says he doesn't remember killing the cat that it was like he was blacked out during the stabbing after a little while of sitting on the couch, he kind of snaps out of it and he goes back into the kitchen and is like, holy shit, what did I just do? There's blood everywhere. There's a dead cat. This is bad. He's freaked out. He's like, I'm going insane. I'm going to kill Deborah. Like, this is bad. We need to get out of this house. So he cleans up the cat carnage so he doesn't freak out Deborah before she gets home. Yeah. And... He when she gets home, he says, like, we have to leave. We have to leave. He didn't explain why, because, again, Deborah doesn't believe him. So she's like, I, I mean, if this means so much, she, we can start looking. <laughs> so <laughs> Deborah, again, she does. She still loves Sally. She doesn't see anything wrong. But two days after this cat murder, he walks out of the bedroom and something Pushes him against the staircase so hard, he breaks three railings and he almost goes over the banister. And he's like laying there 
next to this broken staircase and he calls out to Deborah like, Deborah, Deborah. She finally, for some reason, this is the thing that's like, oh my God, we need to get out of Even here. Even though he's been constantly scratched yes. apart. Apparently that did not matter. Now he's being shoved around and nobody shoves my man. <laughs> She's like, it's finally, like it's starting to kill us. So it's not cute. It's not friendly. It's got to be something else. This just can't be Sally. Two weeks later, they gather everything in their house and they move out. And the Pickmans still live in Atchison, a mile away from the house. Only a mile. Mm -hmm. They no longer believe that the house is haunted by a ghost. They think that it's a demon. Even Deborah is on board with that now. Mm -hmm. So she thought like this demon was tricking her into thinking there was a little girl ghost. Yes. Well, Deborah thinks that the demon possessed Tony. Because a lot of this is indicative of demonic possession. Hearing voices, the anger, the scratching in the walls. And I I did mention Amityville Horror, but like that that whole Amityville story of that house in Amityville is very similar to this one, too. Mm -hmm. With like the the father, you know, familicide or in this case, pre-familicide almost happening. Yeah. And he's a Catholic. Like he is a religious person. And possessions tend to happen to people who have belief in religion or certain kinds of faiths. True. She was not. She did not. She was not a Christian. She just was Deborah. But, Church of Deborah. <laughs> right. The thing is, she thinks that she may have also been possessed or tricked in some way to completely ignore or not see any of the stuff that was happening around her. So, like, she didn't register any of these attacks on Tony. I, I could see that. I, I definitely wouldn't call that a possession, but, like, maybe she was tricked into just being blissfully ignorant. Right. And so, recently, someone was like, hey, do you think that Sally was real? Or do you think that, like, the whole thing was a demon and it was using the image of Sally as, like, a facade? Right. And she agrees. She doesn't think Sally ever existed. She thinks it was just the demon trying to get close to her to get to Tony. So then if she if she believes that, then she must also believe that this demon was able to trick the psychic Mm -hmm. and anyone else that witnessed Sally in some capacity. She does think that the house might contain human spirits as well. Like, why not? There's the gentleman and the old lady. But the activity surrounding them, the physical forces, she was pretty sure was a demon. And she thinks that the demon used her desire to, like, connect with spirits and understand the paranormal against her. And used that to get her to basically ignore all the bad shit. And because Tony was suspicious and uncomfortable from the beginning, the demon was like, hey, fuck you right away. That makes sense, I suppose. Mm -hmm. Very... Interesting. There have been other tenants in the house, but none of them have stayed for very long. Mm. Apparently, one person saw Sally in the house and moved out after less than a week of even living in there. By 2004, nobody wanted to live in the house. And the owner turned it over to the Chamber of Commerce. And now it's a tourist attraction. They rent it out for tours and stuff. Sure. And a lot of people who go through it are convinced that they can see or hear or feel things. And there are recordings online to, like, you know, back up their claims in the same way that 
ghost TV shows back up their claims. So sure. you have to believe it if you you will. But. I mean, this definitely seems like one of the more convincing hauntings, though. Because mm-hmm. I'm I'm always very uh I guess wary or skeptical when it comes to like anything involving like the Warrens or anything because I feel like they were kind of grifters too. But this, you know, lower middle class seemingly family, what I mean, they could gain monetarily, but they didn't really attempt anything like that. They were just there and they lived there for a few years too. It's like mm-hmm. why would they have to lie about any of this? Right. Right. And there is and all the evidence become from is that pariah. show. Right. I mean, that is usually the case with anything paranormal. Right. But, but like there's actual and I haven't seen any of it yet. I'm just going off of your description. But it seems like there's some pretty strong evidence from that sighting show, mm-hmm. like more so than what you see now on like ghost adventures type shows. Like you don't really see people just get scratches in real time mm-hmm. on their bodies. Yeah. I, you'd have to see it because if if I had not read the background story and just seen the clips that I saw, I would have been like, well, this is some more ghost hunter bullshit. But yeah, I, I am interested, though. I think I'll be watching that. I'll have to send you the link. Explanations. Explanation number one. Demons. Ghosts. Exactly what they say it is. Right. Two. Stress. Nothing. You you see what you want to see. The yeah, same but, reason people see shapes and clouds. If you're looking for it, you'll see it. And yeah. that's an old proven ability used by our ancestors to stay safe and pick out dangerous from far away. It's very true. It's just interesting that there were like third parties involved in this story, like family members yeah. and then a psychic and then a whole Though, film crew. When family members got involved, Tony and Deborah were like, there's a ghost. They didn't really give people a chance to come up with their own conclusion before bringing up the ghost angle. True. That, that is true. I'm just thinking, like, at least with that one first sister, she had that weird feeling before the couple ever had any feeling mm-hmm. of presence. And then Tony's brother at one point witnessed the thing with the camera and the bear turning around. Mm-hmm. Like, it's kind of... Yeah. You, you can have, like, weird, you know, group onset hallucinations i suppose but that kind of thing is just so rare yeah i don't know i don't know if i agree with that stress one in this case my third explanation is aliens because fuck you but i think it's mostly most likely the demon (laughs) (laughs) maybe they're one and the same we don't know maybe it was aliens fucking with them maybe they're in like some intense alien experiment Maybe aliens are demons, or maybe hell is just another dimension. Yeah. I don't know. But that is the Sally house. This has been a very long episode, and we're not done, because Everett has a story that was just sent to us today that is too poignant. I haven't actually even read this yet, because this arrived on our Facebook, which Mm -hmm. Colleen is the one that checks that. So this comes from Leslie. And she has a little short story for us. This happened when I was in high school. We were having a lock-in at our school, and the night before, one of my friends stayed the night and brought a movie with her to watch at the lock-in. The movie was the original Exorcist. Mm. 
I actually made Colleen watch that uh, for the first time just a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. I don't generally choose to watch horror movies. No. Ever. But it, is, is it is an older one, too. I mean, it's you know, classic. A lot of people have missed it because it's like 40 years old now. But. Well, yeah, but it's inspired so much other pop culture that like now when I see there's like inside jokes in other movies, they make sense to yeah. me. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. Back to the story. So the next night while I was in bed, I felt like something was watching me. And I believe when she says next night, this is the night after the lock-in. Yes. After they watched the movie. I happened to look up and saw a dark shadow at the end of my bed. I could only make out the outline of the figure. On top of its head, it looked like curls or maybe even horns sticking out of the top of the head. The feeling I got was a negative feeling, and I was instantly terrified. I wanted to yell for my mom, but nothing would come out of my mouth. I closed my eyes, hoping it would go away. When I opened them, it was gone. I jumped out of bed and ran into the living room. I told my mom what happened, and she prayed over my room. Nothing like that has ever happened at my house. I think she brought something with her when she came to stay the night. Her being the friend. The only reason I think that is is because she had different things that happened in her house. I never told her about what happened after she went home. She did not stay the night at my house after that, and nothing like that ever happened again. Which Mm. demon. So I asked her a follow-up after that, like, do you think this was like a paranormal activity situation where this thing's like attached to your family? And she was like, nah, man. My friend seemed fine. Yeah, she. you asked that, and she said, I don't think so. She was always upbeat. Interesting. But it's weird she sent that on the exact day yeah, we were going to record this. And I've... Okay. With these types of stories, I always am able to, like, kind of have a connection with them because I've had such a similar experience, like, in my childhood. And I've had... I've told this story before on the podcast a while, a long time ago. But I believe it was the ghost of my great-grandmother because we were living in her same house mm-hmm. after the fact so i didn't get a negative feeling like leslie did in this case but i know that feeling of like something at the end of your bed like it's horrifying but at the same time and i definitely don't mean offense by this uh, in any means but I, I a lot of this is so much in common with sleep paralysis and too. that's what i was thinking when i read it i was like did you see the man in the hat? And then she said, like, curly-haired demon, and that is not the same as man no. in the hat. And, I mean, that is definitely one of the more common, like, things to experience when someone has sleep paralysis, but it doesn't always have to be the case. The The only reason I bring it up, other than the fact that it was, like, at night in her bed and there was a creature or a being mm-hmm. at the end of her bed, she tried to scream but couldn't. Yeah. And that is a very common symptom of sleep paralysis because you're literally paralyzed. Yeah. But I'm not saying that's the case because I've had something similar to me happen and I know I was awake because I never fell asleep that night. So I guess we didn't ask Leslie in this case, but spooky shit. Yeah, I don't know. I'm just getting paranormal activity vibes of like somebody sleeping and something else standing and staring at you while you sleep, which I've done to Everett. (laughs) Yeah. I thought it would be hilarious if while he was sleeping, I just stood there and stared at him until he woke up for like 
this was for five minutes. I don't have that much time to spend on this. But he did happen to wake up in the five minutes I was just standing and staring at him. And he almost pissed his pants. Yeah, I want to quick expand on that, too. So (laughs) if if you haven't seen Paranormal Activity, even though I'm sure a lot of you, probably most of you have, uh, throughout this whole movie, it's like mostly tension, you know, found footage type stuff. And you see weird shit happening. Most people say the scariest moment of that movie is the end where there's the jump scare and like there's a body that flies into the camera or whatever. I think that's what happened to me. That is not the scariest moment in that movie. The girlfriend or wife, I don't remember, is just staring over the partner in bed while he's sleeping and like they do a time skip and she's just standing there for literally like five hours just staring at him and to me that gets under my skin because it's so unnaturally creepy and colleen fucking did it i knew i mean only for a few minutes seemingly well you didn't know you were asleep for the first portion god it was wonderful it's the one and only time i've ever actually scared of it and i'm never gonna forget that sweet sweet feeling of victory Anyway, (laughs) if you want to send us your own personal spooky story or if you come across anything that you would like us to read on the podcast or if you even have an episode topic request, you can send it our way. Uh, You can use Twitter, Facebook or Instagram. All are at NerdSlothHQ. Or you can email us at podcast at nerdsloth.com. We love hearing your stories. I like reading spooky stories online, like, you know, secondhand accounts or whatever. But when somebody actually tells you their actual story, it's way more interesting because they believe it. Yeah. You know, it's different reading about a stranger. Like, you never know. Right. I don't know. Well, and actually, I should have brought this up a little earlier, right after we read the story. But she, Leslie had mentioned that this entity, it could have been horns, but it could have been curls, too. Yeah. Do you think it was a ghost or a demon? Like, do you think it was like demon horns? Or well, do you think I, it was asked, a I asked her ghost? and she said she thought it was a demon. Mm. I don't know. I would not. I would not be happy. And I don't <laughs> think I would be OK with my mom just praying over the room. I I would sleep in a different room. Like sleeping in a different room would confuse the demon. (laughs) Yeah, I would would sleep in a different area completely, I think. Anyway, I think that's it for today. Uh, Happy Halloween, everyone. Yes, thank you for making it through this crazy long episode. And we'll be back at you next week. Yeah, I'll have something for your beautiful ears and we love you. Love you, bye. Bye. Presented by NerdSloth, a place for lazy nerds. If you like what you heard, consider donating at patreon.com slash nerdsloth so we can continue bringing you quality shows. Be sure to also leave us a review and share your favorite episodes and clips on social media. If you're looking for more content, visit us at nerdsloth.com.